today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. This will mean that no Canadian ever again will need to choose between taking care of their teeth and paying the bills at the end of the month. It will mean you can't tell the size of someone's paycheck by their smile. Uh, Finance Minister Christy Freeland yesterday, uh, interesting uh, analogy there for the dental plan. Uh, that's one of the, the the many things that, of course, the government's, uh, you know, trying to highlight now as, as you know, this being, a, well, not necessarily a good news budget, but uh, as they describe it, addressing some of the needs that we have these days. Uh, welcome back. This is the Bill Kelly Show, 980 CFPL London, 900 CH Mellon Hamilton. Uh, the experts, though, say that they've missed the mark. Uh, certainly, Pierre Polyev doesn't like the budget. Uh, this morning, right after their uh, caucus meeting, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh said they're not satisfied with the budget. I don't know what that means necessarily. Uh, they, they may be doing some tweaking on this, but uh, I can't see them bringing the government down. But uh, let's talk about some of the substance here and what's going on and, and some of the things that they did include here, including more spending, which uh, they were warned about, I guess, uh, many, many times. Uh, to give us some perspective on this, please so welcome back to the program, Moshe Lander, who's a senior economics lecturer at Concordia University. Moshe, I was always uh, proud to have you on the show, especially the day after uh, this sort of thing. What was, uh, first of all, your reaction to what you heard from Minister Freeland yesterday? You know, it, it kind of struck me as an NDP budget. It yeah. didn't strike me as, as a liberal budget. It was it was a lot of uh, uh, targeted spending, uh, and it was meant to, of course, uh, look at low-income Canadians, which is, I guess, the NDP's main uh, uh, target. Uh, but it, it, it kind of lacked ideas. It lacked imagination. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily missed the mark, like some of the leaders said, but... Uh, it, it just kind of left me with a blah feeling of, all right, like, let's get on with life. <laughs> well, it, and it was very much, I thought, a mirror image of, of the provincial budget from the week before in as much as uh, they looked after the, you know, the most needy people. And, and that's good. You know, it's a society. We should do that. So, you know, the grocery rebate is going to help, I guess, low-income families. Uh, the dental plan, uh, by the way, it's not for every Canadian, as she mentioned. It might be someday, but not uh, with this budget. Uh, it's again for low-income people, but there's, there's the the shrinking middle class that they keep referring to, uh, which is most of us, by the way, are, are sitting here saying, "Well, what about us?" Uh, there didn't seem to be a whole lot there. Yeah, and I, I think part of that was uh, the the media messaging of the inflation that we've experienced over the last twelve months. This has been portrayed as something that is affecting low-income Canadians almost to the extent that it's not affecting other Canadians. And that's just not true. So, you know, when you're designing a budget that's uh, geared towards helping Canadians that are suffering from rapidly rising prices, uh, if the messaging that you've been putting out all along is that this is something that's falling disproportionately on low-income Canadians, then the the spending is going to be directed towards them. The, the dental plan was something that they had to do. That was part of the agreement between the NDP and the Liberals. Uh, the green part of the budget was something that the Liberals have been promising for years and really never put into place. And I, I think it was the uh, American Inflation Reduction Act that, that prompted moves on this. And then beyond that, it was, it was just tinkering, it was, you know, messing around with alcohol taxes and caps on credit card charges. Uh, it just it, it, it didn't really hit anywhere. Well, and I mean, some of the things they talked about, and we had Karina Gould on in the last hour talking about this, uh, and, and you know, they, as you say, they're going to try to do something about uh, tr- credit card interest rates, uh, about uh, extra add-on taxes and, and ben, you know, and cut charges on, on stuff like this, like cell phone companies that, uh, that you know, charge for roaming fees and things of this nature. Uh, that's... 
that's kind of like trying to nail jello to the wall, isn't it? I mean, that's it's it's a nice thought, and you know, hey, yeah, yeah, they should do something about that. Okay, let's see it on paper exactly what you are going to do and how effective it's going to be. And that's a good point too, Bill. That you know, when when you're presenting a budget, it, it's merely a budget. Uh, you're not necessarily tied down to this, and there's lots of things that can change in the interim between what you announce and what actually gets implemented. So even there, it's it, it's it's not proof of anything. Uh, you know, I was I was struck that they're already saying that that dental plan, which is far from universal, uh, has already doubled in cost. Uh, this strikes me of the the gun registry and and all of the other sorts of grandiose plans that they put in place. Um, that's not a liberal thing. That's that's a government thing. That these costs always run rapidly out of control. So you know, to me, the the headline uh, story was, what is the actual budget deficit? How does it compare to projection? When do you see this uh, coming back to balance budget? And beyond that, like I said, it was ticky tack stuff um, that maybe will help at the margin for Canadians. But you know, even the the GST extension. Uh, we're talking 450 bucks at the max end. Divide that by 365 days. That's a dollar and a quarter a day. Uh, if you're qualifying for the max, that's not even a cup of coffee at Tim Hortons. And then the, you have to look at the long-term outlook here too. I mean, I'm you know trying to connect the dots here, Moshe. And the, we had the budget yesterday, which some people are saying, well, you know, big deal, much ado about nothing, uh, except for those big numbers that you talked about about the increased deficit. But the other aspect of this is now that we're told that we're probably heading into a mild recession toward the this summer months and maybe into the fall. Uh, and but this is one of the things that we wanted to avoid as much as possible. So as, as Kevin Page, the the former chief pub. Part of my budget officer said, uh, he says, I think the government's actually trying to tell us they're pretty pessimistic about the next eight or nine months. Well, I think they want to give themselves some space over the next eight to nine months. The, the thing with, with recessions is that they can often be self-fulfilling prophecies. If you go around telling everybody that we're in a recession, then people start behaving like we're in a recession. And that means that we will be in a recession because everybody stops spending and tries to save as much money as they can to, to withstand a recession. So uh, I, I get that they don't want to necessarily say that, and the fact is the data hasn't said that we're in a recession. Uh, mm-hmm. And I totally understand if they wanted to take the approach of saying, this is going to be a blasé budget because we want to give ourselves the opportunity for flexibility later down the line, uh, then okay, I, I can understand that. Uh, but they, they weren't even portraying it that way. Uh, but I, I can appreciate that, yeah, you, you don't want to put in grandiose spending plans uh, now and then find out in six months that we are in a recession that require even larger spending plans and you have a budget-breaking sort of exercise here. And we talk about the uh, you know the things that the governments are trying to do to help us through this economic recovery uh, that seems to be slowly, slowly inching along. Uh, one of them that they talk about is, is immigration. They want to bring in skilled workers, and that's great. I think everybody seems to be on side with that. Uh, but you've got to put a roof over their head. And in the last seven days uh, here in Ontario, anyway, Mosh, we've got a provincial government that's uh, woefully behind in, in their own targets, and they admitted that at their budget. And I didn't even hear a word about housing from the minister yesterday. So they, they, they talk the talk, but there's not much of a commitment here to that. That's, that's, that's a problem waiting to happen here if we're going to bring people in. And, and we've already got a housing crisis right now, and, and it's only going to be exacerbated, isn't it? Yes, I agree. But, uh, you know, I, I've always taken the position that, that housing is always a municipal issue, much more than it is provincial and certainly much more than it is a federal issue. So I agree that the federal government uh, should be supportive of immigration uh, of all kind, not just uh, high skilled immigration. Uh, but they need to put pressure on municipalities that have restrictive zoning laws. You see it in Hamilton, you see it in London, you see it in Toronto, Montreal, wherever you want. 
when you create these restrictive zoning laws, supply can't keep up with demand. And it's not surprising that a lot of those restrictive zoning laws are coming from homeowners themselves that want to protect the value of their asset. And so they petitioned their local city councillors to try and limit the amount of new housing because that would push down the value of, if not their biggest asset, their second biggest asset after, say, their pension. So, you know, the federal government needs to apply pressure on the municipalities to try and fix that. Um, and by saying that they're committing to increased immigration, uh, maybe that's an indirect way of trying to say, if you guys don't get your act together, I mean, they're, they're going to have to somewhere, uh, and this is going to fall on municipal hands, not the federal government. One other thing, too, and again, we're getting into the gray areas here, but they also promised a 3% spending cut right across the board where all government agencies. Uh, I think we'd all like to know exactly what that means and what departments and what programs are going to be impacted by that, but they were not very specific about that. Yeah, and when you say, you know, 3% cut across the board, uh, you know, does that just mean that when somebody retires, they're going to leave that job vacant or they're going to replace somebody who has 25 years of experience and salary with somebody who has no experience? So, uh, you know, the the reduction in, in salaries makes that 3% cut. Or are you actually going to try and find efficiencies uh, to justify the 3% cut? So, you know, it, 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 it's always nebulous. And when you say that it's across the board, that, that indicates that somehow all of these uh, different departments have the capacity to cut in the same way because they're all operating the same way. And that's just not true. Uh, we could easily make an argument that, uh, you know, defense in this country has to be increased at some point, uh, yet they're under the same 3% cut that, say, the Ministry of Finance would be under, uh, despite the fact that they're not involved in any sort of weapons purchase or any sort of military mm-hmm. equipment purchase. So I, I, don't, I don't see that as being anything more than just trying to show that the government is committed to uh, controlling their their expenses the same way that we have to control ours. Moshe Lander from Concordia University. As always, Moshe, thanks so much for this. Really appreciate the conversation today. Anytime. Take care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.